Welcome to the Atypical Rainbow. I'm Paul. And I'm Grant. Uh, and this is a very special episode of the Rainbow Dissection, our very first interview. So if this goes well, hooray, we might do more. And if this goes poorly, we may never do this again. Um, but <laughs> we have a very, uh, a very kind guest who has offered his, uh, his time and his experience in the field of uh, gay parenting in Australia. We have Terry. Thanks for joining us, Terry. Hi, how are you going? Good. So, um, why don't you tell us, tell us a bit about how your family came together? Uh, yeah, so at the moment we have a two-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. Um, so my partner and I, Ben, have been together for about six years and about a year or so into our relationship, we both asked, you know, did we both want to have kids? And we both sort of said, yeah, we definitely did. Um, so then we just started doing research, Googling, finding out whether it was legal, do we do it in Australia, that sort of thing. Um, we sort of spent sort of a year or so basically doing research. We saw a solicitor and got a little bit of advice about what we should do. Yeah, and then we basically started looking at our options, both commercial um, overseas and also domestic here in Australia. Um, yeah, so we basically, some people I think in the service community, once they learn that there's, two, there's options for domestic or international, some people have a preference to go, you know what, I want it to be domestic, altruistic, because it's here and I want to be part of the pregnancy and I want my child to uh, know their surrogate, that sort of thing. Some people have a preference to overseas to say, I want it to be very much just a transactional type situation or um, I shouldn't even really say that. They're just, they're just, I guess, that's just their preference. They just sort of want to the assurance that they will get a surrogate as well. That's another benefit, I guess, of commercial. Um, and then you've got people like Ben and I who we were sort of open to either. We didn't really know what we wanted to do. Um, so we just went on this, uh, there's a Facebook community group called the Australian Surrogacy Community. There's a few groups out there. That's one of the main ones. And we basically just went on there, told our story. And you basically just meet all these other intended parents and surrogates and you just start chatting and sort of go from there. So what, so as you said, uh, you and Ben didn't really have a preference per se. How did you end up landing on domestic altruistic surrogacy? Yeah, so initially we, we, put our, we put our post up on the site in Australia just to sort of get the ball rolling and just to get be known and, and sort of went to a few catch-ups. We also looked at the commercial option. Ben and I don't have a lot of money. So, I mean, we had some savings. We sold one of our cars. We sort of started to get a pool of money we got a loan credit so we just basically started to pool all our funds um and we looked at thailand as an option so we we're looking at the cheaper options um we looked at thailand and then the situation with baby gammy happened and they closed um international surrogacy we then looked at india um a few months after that and they closed down um any surrogacy for gay couples um and then we started looking at sort of other countries like greece and things like that and Laos, but the laws were a bit gray so we didn't feel totally comfortable with that mm -hmm. um so then we started looking at america and canada um ukraine's a great option for heterosexual couples but it's not there yet for for gay couples unfortunately so Canada, we started chatting with them and it was about a, they were telling us about 80 to 120,000 per child um mm to go with the agency, which includes obviously your counselling, your matching types, the psych tests, all of that sort of thing. Um, and then America, which was, you know, 150, 200,000, not including travel and medical and all that sort of thing. So then we sort of started to go, all right. So we were sort of talking to this agency in Canada and we're trying to get access to our super and we put in two applications and we're both rejected under the current, um, policies and laws when not really allowed to do that. Um, so then we really just started to dive into the Australian 
surrogacy site. We went to heaps of catch-ups in Sydney and Melbourne. Um, we got close a couple of times. We had, um, because it's very, I think when we started looking, there was about maybe 1,200 intended parent couples and there was maybe about 40 or 50 surrogates. So obviously way outweighed. Um, so we knew that the chances were really low. It's a little bit it's sort of like dating, but it's also a bit of a popularity contest. Like it's unfortunately you've got to get yourself out there because these surrogates don't know who to pick. They've got, you know, all these people that are all deserving. And yeah, so it's, it's you kind of got to put yourself out there. But um, yes, we started doing that and then we were still saving the whole time. We had a lady approach us. Really, we hadn't really spoken to her. She sort of approached us and said, I really want to meet you. I want to be your surrogate straight up, which we thought was a bit weird. Um, And we started chatting with her and then we didn't hear from her for a while. And then we were meant to fly to Sydney to meet her. And then we got um, an email from her saying, oh, look, I've fallen pregnant myself. I'm not going to look at surrogacy. And that was sort of where that ended. Um, then we were speaking to another lady who was choosing between us and a heterosexual couple. Um, and she was very lovely. We, we're still friends with her now. We met her family and we got right to the end. And she said, look, I want to be honest with you. I don't know who I'm going to go with. Um, and this is a heterosexual couple where the woman had been through years and years of infertility. So they, um, she said, look, I feel like I really want to help these, this, like, this couple. So she went with that couple. And then we sort of were back to the drawing board, going to meetups and things. I sort of got a bit disheartened and sort of stopped, sort of took a step back from the Facebook community and things like that. Um, and then my partner started chatting to Kath, who is our surrogate, and we started chatting online for about two or three months. And then she wanted to meet us. Um, we're based in Brisbane, so we flew to meet her in Melbourne. And we hit it off straight away. We went and had dinner, had some drinks. We caught up, spent the whole night chatting. And she offered to be our surrogate by the end of the night. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it is like dating just happened like that. Yeah, so we weren't going down that night, especially with the experiences we'd had, thinking we were going to get picked. But she said, after we found out, she went to the toilet with her partner and she said, I love him, I'm going to pick him. He said, what? <laughs> <laughs> we're doing this now. Uh, so, yeah, and then she offered straight away and then we started the actual process. But, yeah. Okay, so is she the surrogate for both your children? Yeah, she offered to be a surrogate um, a week after our first child was born. <laughs> so very lucky, yeah. Okay. Um, so how did you go with the biological father thing? Like, do you, is one your child biologically and one Ben's? Yeah, so uh, Ivy, our two-and-a-half-year-old, is my... So egg donor, we did gestational um, surrogacy. So obviously our surrogate is not biologically related to our children. So it was my best friend from high school who I've known for about 20 years. She's our egg donor. Um, So she's the egg donor of both the girls. Ivy, our two and a half year old is my sperm and Maeve, our two month old is my partner Ben's sperm. So was that always the plan? Uh, At the beginning, we were just hoping for one child. So, yeah, and then, but then we, we thought if we, got a, if we got a good number of eggs and if we got a good number of embryos that fertilise with both our sperm, then we always said, oh, we'd like to have, like, it'd be a nice thing to have, but it wasn't sort of, we have to. So, because we were also looking at adoption and things like that as well. So we didn't have to have a genetic child. Um, it was, yeah, so it just worked out that way, which was nice. So what was the adoption uh, process like? Like, how far did you get into that before you sort of veered back towards surrogacy? Yeah, so I should probably even say, yeah, before we did all of the investigation to surrogacy, we also went to, so in Queensland at the time when we were looking about three or four years ago, adoption was illegal for gay couples. Um, So it's only become legal, I think, maybe a year or two ago, 
which is great. Um, but we, so we went down to New South Wales and we're looking at foster care through Barnardos. So we went to a few different um, conferences through there and looked at our options. Um, a lot of the, some of the, the courts per state are very, some of them are really strict at trying to get the parents of foster care children back to those parents. And sometimes that can bounce backwards and forwards. And we didn't think we were emotionally able to do that. Like we would love to, and there's amazing people that do that, but we really wanted to like have our own family. Um, and Bernardos is one family that unfortunately, uh, one organization that unfortunately looks after these extreme cases where it's, they can't be housed with the family. Mm-hmm. So we tried to, we were looking at moving this bit of a like, do we move to Sydney? Do we live there? So we we're looking at that sort of option. And then we were still sort of chatting to this, looking at the surrogacy option. And it was just, we wanted to stay in Queensland. So we looked at surrogacy, but yeah. I mean, what are the considerations? Obviously it sounds like emotionally it goes through a lot of rollercoaster things. What, what did you find were the really sort of influential factors when it came to deciding between the different options? Um, like it's definitely everybody's preference. And if, I mean, if things were totally different and we ended up, say we were living in Sydney or say we ended up adopting, it would have all worked out that like we're very much like whatever's meant to happen is meant to happen. Um, and I think because some people, um, really want to adopt or they really want surrogacy or they just really want a family and they don't mind. We were sort of the, the last, the last one. Yeah. We were sort of thinking we want a family. We don't mind. It just happened to be that, even though surrogacy is such a long process, it actually worked out, luckily for us, quite quickly, sort of, within <laughs> sort of four years. We've had two daughters, so, yeah. What, what was the lag time between when you and Ben decided to start having a family and when things started actually happening? Yeah, so where we sort of came close with those surrogates and were looking at adoption, that was probably about maybe a year and a half altogether, between the time that we were researching, going to catch-ups, looking at both international, domestic and adoption. It was probably about a year and a half of, of sort of looking and searching and saving. Um, and then after about a year and a half, we were then sort of, Kath said, I'll, I'll be your surrogate. Some people uh, get offered to be, um, some surrogates offer their intended parents within, you hear stories of three to six months, some you hear five years. It's, it's really hard because people go into it and ask me that all the time. They go, oh, how long, how long, like when is it going to happen? And that's the sort of, that unknown of when you're going to get picked is, for me, I found the most difficult bit because you just don't know if it's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that answers the question. <laughs> no, it, it does. I mean, the reality is there are some things in life that are vague and non-specific. So it, it's useful to know or at least get an idea about what to expect, I guess. And then obviously patience is really important in this sort of process. Yeah, um, exactly. How, I mean, you, you mentioned about the, the sort of that Facebook group, the Australian surrogacy group that you joined initially. How well coordinated is that? Um, it's definitely, it's definitely getting better. And it's, it's basically, so like in, in America, so if you were to go, or just go over to season an agency, um, you pay a fee, they set you up with an agency, they'll show your profile to multiple surrogates. They do all the counseling, all the legals, all the parentage, all the passports, all everything. And there's a lot of steps in the process. So they do all the math, they do everything. So the Facebook group sort of act, you're so, if you go in Australia, you're doing all of that yourself. So you can get solicitors to do your parentage order or you can learn to do it yourself, which we did. You can pay solicitor to a contract or you can do it yourself. You've got to coordinate the meetups. You've got to find your own preferred counsellor. It's very much yourself. So the, the, the site acts as sort of like a, a forum of 
yeah, so there's, there's people of all walks of life. There's people that want to have um, there's single parents, there's heterosexual gay couples, um, there's people that want to have co-parenting arrangements, um, they want their surrogate to be a traditional surrogate. So there's so many different, it's like anything. You'll have people you don't get along with, you'll have people you do get along with, there'll be people, so it's, it's, there's all sorts of intended parents and surrogates there. So it can, it can sometimes get quite emotional. Um, some people will go on it for a while and step back a little bit because you're hearing lots of sad stories, especially people that have gone through heterosexual couples that have gone through, you know, 10 years of cancer and infertility and things like that. Um, and I found a lot of the gay couples go into it all knowing that we would never really had the equipment to have children. So we go in all happy going, oh, look, we're going to have a kid. Hello. We sort of go in <laughs> all cheerful and happy and it's a very different experience. And then you've got heterosexual couples that obviously have, have sometimes had like quite a lot of heartache. So it, it's all sort of all spectrums. And you'll also get surrogates that will say, well, gay couples also don't really understand what a woman goes through to be pregnant and um, the female anatomy and what they go through being pregnant. So some surrogates go, well, I don't really want to go with a gay couple because I want to go, I want to help a woman because I want to, my preference is because they'll sort of understand more of how it works. And you get other women that are like, oh, I don't want to have a heterosexual couple I want a gay couple because I don't want them to be involved in all of that stuff. So you just really got to match with someone that you agree on most things with because there's all sorts of people. So did you find many surrogates had preferences? Like was there surrogates who didn't want to go with a single parent? Um, Yeah, it's, I don't know. So they, there's a, they put up, there's also another organization called SAS, which is surrogacy support, uh, surrogacy Australia support something s-a-double-s anyway um and they have started putting up stats on the site each year so they show you i think the last year's stats there was 40 or so babies born it was about 35 percent gay couples 60 something percent heterosexual couples one in ten one single gay dad and a couple of single um, mothers so this it's sort of a mix a few years before that it was more 50 50 with heterosexual and gay um there's not many single people there um our surrogate, her pref- like she didn't have a preference. She said, I didn't know I was happy to help anyone single. Um, I guess some surrogates want to, some surrogates do want to know that they, like I know that some single people have approached Kath and she said she would have been totally open open to it, but it's more so like, are they going to need support? Are they going to be able to um, afford it financially and that sort of thing? So there's all those sort of aspects as well. But yeah, single people can definitely definitely get help there with there's also um i've got a friend i have a a, there's a couple there a trans couple and they're on there as well trying to match with people so obviously you'd have people that would say well i don't understand um i don't understand what it means to be trans and that sort of thing and then you have other people that'll be like of course i would love to help a trans couple so it's just there's just all sorts of people and everybody has their own preference i guess but but yeah it's just about helping people really but that's okay uh so with the surrogates yeah some of them want to be the biological parent and some of them didn't want to like in your case she wasn't the biological parent but was that a preference that surrogates really had or did they kind of just seem to go with the flow yeah most surrogates um gestational is definitely more common so i think especially when a surrogate is surrogate for the first time she mm-hmm. has all those questions about how's my body going to react am i going to attach too much so a lot of surrogates first time prefer and it's much more common to go gestational so someone else's eggs um so kath definitely didn't want to use her eggs and she'd already been an egg donor so she's already had helped out five families with egg donation only but she said i didn't want to carry my own 
genetics. That was, she said, it felt like it would have been harder. Um, so I think most surrogates definitely go gestational, but there's also, I've got a friend who has been a surrogate four times and she's been a gestational twice and traditional twice. So once she felt like she could do it, she was like, I can go traditional. Um, and you get some women that have been egg donors that say, no, I'm going to go straight into surrogacy. I, I, I feel comfortable. I can go traditional straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely helps. Obviously, you don't have to get an egg donor, create embryos. The cost is obviously a lot less as well. But yeah, the emotional, I guess, is a bit more. And I, I guess on that, so as you said, your your best friend of many decades was was is the biological mum of your daughters. How did you go about choosing her? Yeah, well, she was actually going to be my surrogate. And then before we met Catherine, she said, I'll be your surrogate. But she, I was her birthing partner. She had a very traumatic birth. Um, and after that, she said, I, I can't be a surrogate, but how about I donate eggs? And I hadn't even thought about it. Um, and I said, oh, are you sure? And we talked about it over drinks a few times. We had a bit of a chat and we sort of threw the idea around and then never really sort of left it there for a while. And then her and her partner had a chat and they both said, yeah, we really want to do it. Let's do it. And Ben and I were like, yeah, that's great. Let's do it. So she sort of offered to us. Um, I didn't really ask, but yeah. <laughs> And did you ever did you ever have a more formal conversation about what, sort of how much you'd want her to be involved? Um, no, we always just said that um, she would just play the same role because we've been friends for so long. She always just said, "I'm going to play the same role as if it was somebody else's children, as it, like if it was somebody else's eggs or mine." She she um, yeah, she said it'll be. I'm not going to be her mother or anything like that. She's got her own son. She said. She said there's definitely like a, like a lovely bond there where she sees personality traits that are hers and things that look like her. And it's more of like a cute, nice thing that, that's a bit of a bonus. It's not like a she feels extra love for her like she does with her child. It's, it's yeah, and I don't know if it's the same for other couples, but, yeah, she's, yeah, it's very separate. Okay. And you said, so you mentioned that you still sort of have a good relationship with Kath, the, the surrogate, as well. What, what's her role going to be in your daughter's life? Yeah, so we're, we're, we, we try and explain the situation with the egg and the surrogate, but our daughter's two and a half. She doesn't really sit still all the time. So um, we just keep telling her over and over again until one day it'll just sort of slowly sink in, I guess. So we're trying to be really honest. But um, yeah, so Kath is also not like a mother or anything. She's just, she'll always be the girl's surrogate. She's the woman that we met that helped us create a family. That will be the, the, you know, the story that we tell. And um, Kath's really just, she's almost just become like a just a, like it's almost like fast tracking a family friend like you've just become really good friends and I didn't go into surrogacy thinking that I would get this big other family I wanted to have children um so I was always a bit weary at the beginning thinking oh does this person now do they like live are they going to live near us are they going to come over all the time are they going to be at all the birthdays like how in our life are they going to be because I you know I want to create our family unit but it, yeah it's it's our situation is very much cats like, no, that's your family. Like, I'm not going to be at all your birthday parties. Like, yeah, you send me photos. We chat on the phone and we talk about stuff all the time. Not even anything about the girls. We just catch up and tell funny stories. And it, it, it for us, it worked out really natural. We're just friends now. So yeah, I guess that's how it worked out. Um, and was it a natural birth? Because I know with ours, they had a policy of doing um, Caesar under anesthetic for psychological reasons. Oh, okay. Um, we, we could have gone natural or Caesar the first. So Kath, um, we had an option here in Australia, but, um, the, her, she had two children. Her first, she had a natural and her second child, she had a Caesar. So when she was having 
Ivy, our two year old, she, she, she opted for a Caesar. Um, yeah. And then when she offered to have our second daughter, Maeve, she actually said, look, I'm not going to do it again. I want to try another natural birth. Let's try natural. And we were like, yeah, fine. That's fine. And then the OB said, you've already had two Caesars. It's really dangerous and sort of urged against it. So we did another Caesar. But we had the option to do either. But yeah. Okay. So when, when the girls were born, did you sort of just take them away sort of straight away from her or did they spend some time with her? Yeah, so both our journeys were quite different. So the first one, the first one um, with Ivy, our family all flew down and we sort of, um, we were in the hospital, so we went through the public hospital in Geelong and they were really great. We met the direct, because some hospitals who haven't gone through surrogacy don't really understand situations. So we always tell people, go meet with the hospital, give them a heads up of what's happening to make sure they can let the parents, the intended parents be as part of it as much as possible. Because you don't really want to get to the day and get a doctor that goes, you can't come in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so yeah, we we definitely spoke to the hospital the first time. They were like, "That's great. You can come. You can have your own room. You can come in and out of Kath's room as much as you want." They let us actually go into the Caesar, so we got to be in the operating theatre. So there was Kath, her partner, and both Ben and I sitting in chairs in the actual operating theatre, which was amazing. Took photos, um, and then we basically had our own room. We're very lucky with a bed, um, and we were right near Kath's room. And we basically just we had Ivy in our room with us in a bassinet, and we just took her in and out of Kath's room to have cuddles and things like that and um, spend time with her. We did all the feeding and we were all in hospital for two days. Then Ben and I took Ivy home or to our Airbnb in Geelong. Kath stayed for another day or so. We went in every day visiting and then we took her back to her house and we stayed in Geelong for another sort of two or three weeks and just like looked after her and then we flew home. This time was in COVID. So we spoke to, it was a different hospital. So we spoke to the hospital and they said, you can come in, you can have your own room, you can do all that. But they said, um, just be aware that's the current situation. If COVID obviously becomes worse in Victoria, then things will change. So we said, that's fine. Then the, it was up until like a few days before, the director of the hospital was fine and they, they were really lovely. The hospital was amazing, but then it obviously got a bit further up the line and COVID was heating off and they were getting a bit nervous. So they sort of said to us, you can't come into the hospital at all. You can visit for half an hour on day one. This is Kat's baby, not your baby. They were using language that they just didn't really understand. And it was, I think it was the CEO or one of the big directors that was based in WA and we were sort of having conferences with him. And he said, they said that um, we weren't the parent. Kath had to look after the baby for five days. She said, that's not ideal. We then had a chat with our solicitor. They said, look, they, they, because of COVID and the restrictions with the health department, they can not let you in, but they can't not let Kath release the baby to you. So she... If after one or two days, the baby's healthy, Kath can discharge the baby to you. But they were saying, no, they can't give the baby. She can't give the baby to you. Um, she can give you the baby off the premise. We don't want to know about like that sort of, that was very much that. We then spoke to our solicitor, spoke to the OB. They spoke to their solicitors, explained the whole situation. And they did a full back that was amazing. They gave us our own room side by side with Kath. We were all in there for five days. Um, yeah, so it was yeah, much stressful with COVID, but it, it was right before it was all sort of going to come to a head and then the hospital was really amazing in the end, but yeah. That's good. And you also had to um, <clears throat> follow quarantine rules as well, didn't you? Sort of, you had to think, think about the logistics of how to plan all that and how to be able to stay somewhere for two weeks, yeah? Yeah, so we stayed down there for, in Geelong for four weeks. They were not, they're in locked stage three, three. And, and Melbourne was in four, yeah. So there was obviously nothing open really, couldn't really go anywhere, um, it was all sort of face masks and things like that. So I would stay, Ben and stay with Maeve, uh, Ivy in the Airbnb and I'd stay with Kath and 
Maeve and then we'd switch out, swap over and I'd take Ivy. We did that for three days, four, three or four days. Um, and then when we left, we, Kath actually stayed with us for a week this time and she wanted to breastfeed. So when we did our pre-counselling with our second daughter, Kath said, I loved her first journey, but there's a few things I want to do differently. And one of them was to breastfeed and we were totally fine with that. Um, so Kath moved in and she said, I want to stay with you for a little bit. Um, so she stayed with us for about a week and, um, she did breastfeeding, we had formula feeding, a bit of a mix of both. Um, and then when we flew back, yeah, we had to hotel quarantine. So we were escorted by military to a hotel <laughs> and we spent 14 days in a hotel room with a newborn that woke up every half an hour and a two year old <laughs> having tantrums. Oh, <laughs> so dear. It was full on, yeah. <laughs> but we got through it. That's good. So, are there plans for more kids? No. <laughs> um, definitely not. And, like, we even talked about, we felt like we hit the jackpot even after Ivy. Even when we are having Ivy, we thought that we didn't even feel, like, this, any, everyone's different, but we didn't even feel like, oh, we didn't want to go out there back in the surrogacy community if Kath wasn't to offer and say, and start looking again when there's people that ha- haven't had one baby and we've, we would have felt a bit greedy. <laughs> so, for Kath to offer us was probably really the only way we were ever really going to have two. So we've already hit the jackpot. We're happy with two, two healthy girls. We are also exhausted and <laughs> don't want anyone to <laughs> That's standard new parent thing. And, you know, what do they say? Like after about a year later, you're like, oh yeah, I could do this again. <laughs> no way. We're still paying off all the debt. <laughs> um, yeah, no, definitely not. I mean, one, one of the things that, that so, so Grant and I have, have twins of our own. They're, they're nine years old. Yes, they yeah, are nine years old. <laughs> I'm terrible with years. And, um, <laughs> what, you know, one of the things we, we talk about sometimes is what would we really want if logistics weren't an option? So if we were a heterosexual couple who would have been able to just, you know, do it and make a baby without having to think about surrogates and costs and travel and all that kind of stuff would we want more and i always wonder you know i guess in yours and and ben's situation was it at, when you had those initial conversations after you together for about a year were there's was it ever talk of having more or you just wanted at just one i mean if we put, put all the like surrogacy and then sort of the money and all that sort of stuff aside if we i always wanted to because i have just myself and my brother family of two ben has four so he wanted to have he still wants to is like oh let's have every embryo we have six <laughs> embryos left and i'm like we are not having any he's now he's he's, he's in the tired toddler tantrum baby not sleeping stage he's sort of said oh yeah okay that's it um but he would definitely if money was not was not an issue i think he would have more <laughs> but i'll be like no we're not having more <laughs> <laughs> I mean, does that, does it ever, do you ever resent that? Do you ever resent the idea that you couldn't, like, cause there are so many other barriers besides just logistics, you know, that, that might, that would prevent you from having more if you did want more? Um, like, do I ever, do I ever feel like I was, like, being gay, I sort of missed out? Is that what you mean? Or Yeah. Not really, because I think, I, I think when I, so when I came out, I was, because I'm 37 now, so I came out 20 years ago, so then I didn't even think, I thought, oh, well, I'm gay, I'm not having children. And I think I was more concerned with even, I'm gay, how do I fit in, all that sort of thing, more so than even children. So I think when children, when I realised children was an option, I was really positive about it. it. It didn't feel like it was something that was taken away. I felt like I grew up quite young knowing that, it, thinking it wasn't an option. Um, so I didn't ever really feel like I'd missed out. And I think as well, Ben and I are like both pretty laid back. So we don't sort of, yeah, like we look at things and we go, you know what, it's, it is what it is. And I think it's maybe our personalities as well, maybe. I don't know. So I guess on that, 
if you had to advise someone else, so if another gay couple was looking at surrogacy in Australia, is there anything that you think they should emotionally prepare themselves for? Oh, I don't know. It's, you have to, I would just say it's a long process. It can be very emotional. It can be very time consuming. And I'd be totally honest, it can be like, without saying cliche, it's, it's just, it's totally worth it. And for us, it was, I mean, there'd be other couples that would go through the process and, and there are unfortunately couples that get to a certain point where they either can't get embryos or they can't find a surrogate and they don't, they're not, they don't have, um, end up having a family. But I would say if you really want it, you can do it. Um, you just have to be really focused, I guess. And just, if you want it bad enough, it'll happen. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess resilient with the popularity contest feel. I know. And I hated it because I, I, I did, so my partner, Benny works for communications and marketing. So he's always much more articulate than me and he's always happy to chat to people. And I'd, I'd sort of get really nervous and didn't want to, I didn't want to put posts up that were fake. I didn't want to put posts up on there that were felt like we were selling ourselves or, you know, some people go on there and I think the biggest mistake is they put 20 photos up of them with babies so that they go, Oh, look, we're good with babies. But you've really just got to, you've got to be yourself. You've got to put good, the bad, the ugly, like surrogates are normal people too, that they know that you're going to make mistakes. They know that, you know, you might have a bottle of wine after, you know, on the weekend, then you you don't, don't pretend to be something you're not be exactly who you are and you'll find the surrogate that is meant to match with you. So yeah, I, I guess I would just say totally be yourself. Um, and yeah, at least if one of you is more extroverted and can put yourself out there, you'll be all right. Um, <laughs> two, two of you like that, you're fine. Um, but yeah. Is there anything else that you wish you had known about the process of like going through altruistic surrogacy before you'd gone into it? Oh, not, no, I don't think so. I, the only thing which Ben and I do help people, a lot of people do is, I, so I help people do their own parentage and parentage orders and registration orders if they're in Queensland um, and also their own contracts for surrogacy as well. So originally when we, we almost fell into this trap where we went and saw a solicitor um, and who was also a gay solicitor and we thought they were an advocate for the community um, and which, and they are, um, but it's also, they're running a business. So they're also obviously they do the whole process for you. Ben and I didn't have that much money. So we were sort of like, we really would have loved if somebody else out there said, Hey, there's cheaper ways that you can do a lot of this yourself. That's one thing. So I help people do their own parentage orders and I've helped about 10 or 12 couples with all the templates and things. And we did spend a fair bit of money on solicitors at the beginning, just asking advice that we really could have got from other intended parents. So I guess that was maybe a mistake, maybe wasting a bit of money at the beginning. But so Ben volunteers a lot of the conferences and tries to give information. And I chat to people on the Facebook site to try and help them. So maybe that stuff, more of the admin costy side of it, the emotional side of it, I would, yeah, just say, really put yourself out there and don't, don't also, if you have a red flag when you're meeting with a surrogate and you go, oh, like, I don't know, they're a Trump supporter or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> or you have a red flag where you go, oh, we're not going to get along or we don't have the same sense of humour, we don't have the same life views and you can see down the track it's going to be a forced relationship. I would say don't let your want for a child pick someone, well, not pick someone because they pick you, but match with someone. Don't pretend to be someone that you're not because it could, you know, you could have arguments and disagreements down the track and it could just be a not a great journey. So yeah, I would just say, don't be desperate and just sort of pick, yeah, match with the surrogate that you know, shouldn't match with basically. Uh, so Terry, is it just, just to sort of finish off, is there any way uh, sort of any websites or any sources of information you feel that uh, any sort of gay couples looking at altruistic surrogacy should visit to get more information? Uh, yeah. So there's the SAS website, S-A-S-A-S-S and Surrogacy Australia Support Services, I think it's called. Yeah, um, there you go. 
<laughs> and there's also so they because in Australia you can't advertise um they're not a matching agency but you pay like a small a small fee i don't know what it is but they pay a fee and they will they talk you through all the steps and they they basically they don't put your profile out there but it's basically an organization where you can go to them and they can show your profile to other intended parents and that sort of thing so they can assist with the process a little bit there's that or there's the australian surrogacy community which is the biggest facebook page and that's where most of the people go so yeah, Australian surrogacy community on Facebook. There's also a lot of, of those groups per state. So if you go on the main Australian surrogacy community page, that you can you'll see all the catch-ups for ones in New South Wales, um, Victoria, Queensland, and that's if that's why if you want to go do face-to-face catch-ups, if online is not your thing and you're finding it difficult to promote yourself online, yeah, go to the catch-ups. They're often good. They're a bit more easy breezy. There's like twenty or thirty people that go to those, so they'll also be on that group as well. Brilliant. Well, thanks for your time, Terry. I really appreciate it. That's all right. No worries. Hopefully that was yeah, a little bit of chat. <laughs> yeah. Um, so thanks everyone for listening. If you want to know more, shoot us a message on Facebook or Instagram at the Atypical Rainbow. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode and uh, we'll talk to you again next time.